Hi there! Welcome to a new episode of Stories That Made Us, the podcast where we cover myths and legends from around the world. The first series is all about the tales of the creation of our world and of us. This episode, the 42nd and the last of the series, speaks of the tales of the Native Americans, namely the Tewa, Yuma, Yogurt, and Zuni tribes. These tales are few of the many Native American stories that we've covered over the past months. Check out episode 1 for the tales of the Achomavi, Atsugevi, and the Koma Pueblo. Episodes 4 and 6 recounts the stories of the various Apaches and Algonquian-speaking tribes respectively, while episode 9 features the Arikara and the Arapaho. You'll find the fascinating stories of the Cherokee, Kado and Cheyenne in episode 12, and the Cree, Crow, and Diagenio in episode 15. We then recounted the myth of the Hopi in episode 21. The next two episodes on Native Americans to feature in the podcast were the Joshua and the Kiwa in episode 31, and the Lenape, Luisenio, and Maidu in episode 33. In episode 34, we covered the Navajo and the Manda and the Iroquois tribes in episode 38. Do check them out. The stories provide a fascinating insight into the similarities and distinctions of the tales of the people of the Northern American continent. The stories that we discussed today have all been taken from David A. Leeming's excellent book, Creation Myths of the World. The details are in the description. So then, without further ado, let's begin with the story of the Tewa. The Tewa language and Tewa traditions are peculiar to certain of the Rio Grande Pueblo people in southwestern United States. These Native American communities are the Pueblos of San Juan, Santa Clara, San Ildefonso, and Nambe. The Tewa say that Long Sash, the evening star, once led their ancestors from the north to the place of the Pueblos. They say that Long Sash was a great warrior and that he agreed to lead the people away from their marauding enemies. He warned them, however, that the journey would be hard. On the way, he acted as a culture hero, teaching them how to hunt and behave and eventually, they found a new country. Whereas it had been dark where they lived before, in the new country, it was light all the time. The people walked around in this country, and they quarreled and fought until Long Sash made them stop. He ordered them to rest a while before deciding whether to continue following him or to go another way. After they were arrested, the people did as they still do today when they have to decide something. They gazed at the two bright stars that lie north of Long Sash. After doing that, they decided to follow Long Sash. He made sure they followed with a good feeling towards each other. After a while, everyone, including Long Sash, grew tired. Long Sash heard voices and he fell into a long trance-like sleep to listen to them. 
when he awoke, he told the people he had been given signs. He said they would soon reach their proper destination, and that, if they ever doubted, they should pray to the spirits above and look at his headdress for inspiration. He placed his headdress in the sky. There is another version of the Tewa creation myth, which is as follows. There are other ways of telling how the people got to the middle world, where they live now. Many say, for instance, that it was Spider-Woman or Spider-Grandmother who was most helpful. They say that in the beginning, there was only darkness and that people lived under the ground. The people became restless in the dark and began looking for another kind of life. When the mole visited them from above, the people asked what it was like up there. The mole, of course, could not see. But he said it did feel different up there. He offered to lead the people up and said he would tell them when they were in a different world. As they followed the mole, they had to pile the dirt the mole dug up behind them. This is why they could never find the way back to the old world. Finally, they came out into a new world full of blinding light. The people were terrified and could not see. They covered their eyes and wanted to go back to the darkness. But then, a little voice told them to wait and take their hands slowly away from their eyes. They did this, and there, in front of them, was Spider-Woman, the old, stooped grandmother of everything that is. Spider-Woman was flanked by her twin grandsons, the War Twins. Don't be foolish the way these boys are, she advised the people. They are war makers. Don't waste your time fighting with each other, she said. To be happy, you must never use weapons. Spider-Woman pointed out the green growing thing called corn to the people and told them how to work the land so they could grow it. Then she pointed at the sacred mountains and said the proper home for the people was near the Great Turtle Mountain, or the Sandia Mountain, in the south. She said that when the people found her and their friend, the Mole, again, they would have arrived at the right place. Then she faded into night. The people were terrified of the long night, and they ignored Spider-Woman's advice, and in the morning, traveled to a mountain they could see clearly, to Red Mountain rather than to the Turtle Mountain. There, the Comanche killed many of the people, and this mountain is called Los Sangres, meaning blood, for that very reason. Then the people again disobeyed Spider-Woman by quarreling, making weapons, and killing one another. It went on like this for a long time, and the war twins in the sky laughed at them. Some people were disgruntled and disenchanted by all the warring and quarreling, and they went back to the place of their emergence, but did not find Spider-Woman there. They saw her instead in the sky in her beautiful web, shaking her head at their foolishness and weeping little star tears. Some of the people went up to the sky to the grandmother. 
Finally, there were only two people left, a man and a woman. They took the hard road south through the desert country. Then they saw some green trees and went over to them. There they found the beautiful Rio Grande. A little turtle appeared in the sand. It was the turtle of Turtle Mountain. It had Spider Woman's sign on its back, and it left tracks like mole tracks. The man and the woman knew that they had found the place to settle because they had found the mole and the Spider Woman again. This is why the Tewa people live where they live now. The languages of the Tewa and the Keras people of the two main Pueblo groups are somewhat related, and not surprisingly, so are the religions of the two. The Spider Woman plays a major role in all of the Pueblos, perhaps reflecting the matrilineal arrangements of several of the tribes. The next story is of the Yuma or the Kiwichna. The Native American Yuma of Western Arizona is human speakers of the Hokan family. They have traditionally been village-oriented farmers. The Yuma tells a creation story that stresses the natural and original struggle between good and evil in creation. At first, there was only water and emptiness. Then mist from the waters became the sky. Then the Creator, who lived without form, deep in the maternal waters, was born of those waters as the twins Kokomat, the good one, and Bakotal, the evil one. As he came up through the waters, Kokomat, the good one, kept his eyes closed. Before Bakotal or the evil one came out, he cried out to his brother to ask whether he had opened or closed his eyes during the passage. The good twin Kokomat knew the evil nature of his other half, so he lied and said his eyes had been open. So Bakotal, the evil one, opened his eyes as he came through and was blinded, as Kokomat had known he would be. This is why he's named Bakotal, or Blind One. Kokomat then set about making the four directions, taking four steps on the water in each direction and pointing and announcing the names, north, south, east and west. Now Kokomat said he would make the air, but Bakotal doubted his twin's power. Let me try first, he said. No, said Kokomak, and he stirred up the waters so much that they brought up land. Kokomak then sat on the land. Bakotal, meanwhile, was angry at his twin, but sat down next to him nevertheless. Secretly, he made a little human figure out of mud, but it was imperfect, to say the least. Kokomak himself decided to make a new being and he made a perfect man who got up and walked. Then he made a perfect woman. Bakatal continued his imperfect work and told his twin that what he had made were people. 
Kokomat pointed out the imperfections of his brother's work. No hands and no feet. Bakotal, upon hearing this, was so angry that he dove back to the depths of the water and sent up storms, which Kokomat stormed out, but not before sickness slipped into the world. The first man and woman made by Kokomat were the Yuma ancestors. Kokomat then went on to make the ancestors of the other tribes as well, the Diagenyevs, Apaches, Pimas, and the others. He made 24 pairs of humans before he finally made white people. Kokomat, now in effect a culture hero, then taught the Yumas how to live, especially how to have children. He made a son himself out of the void, without a woman. This boy was called Komash Damho, and he taught the people how to make children by joining together, male and female. Kokomat then sensed that it was too dark in the world, so he made the stars and the moon. Then he announced that he had done what he could, and that his son would continue his work. It was the frog who was jealous of Gokomat and decided to kill him. Gokomat knew what his people thought, however, and so he knew frog's intentions. He decided that earth must be a part of creation and that he would use himself to begin it. He allowed frog to murder him by sucking out his breath. Then he lay down to die. He called the people to gather around him. Only the white man stayed away, pouting over his washed-out looks and anxious to grab whatever he could grab. To quiet the white man, Komashtamho, the son of Kokomat, made him a horse out of sticks. Kokomat, meanwhile, in his final talk with the people, taught them about time. Then he died himself. Komashtamho, his son, continued with creation. First he made the sun, and then wood. With the wood he made a funeral pyre for his father. He sent the coyote to get a spark from the sun. But as soon as coyote was gone, the good twin made fire with sticks and lit the pyre. As the body was burning, coyote stole its heart. For this theft, he was condemned to be a wild man and a thief. Komash Tamho then explained to the people about death and the afterlife. He said that in the world after, the people would be strong and happy and would be with those who had gone before them. Komash Tamho chose the man Marho Kuwek to assist him with his continuing creation. Marho Kuwek told the people to cut their hair in mourning for the Creator, but when he saw how silly the animals looked in their shaped form, he gave them back their hair, which they still have now. Kamashtamho then sent a flood to rid the world of some of the wilder animals, but good animals and humans died too. Marho Kuwek pleaded for mercy and Komash Tamho sent a fire to dry up the world. 
It is because of this fire that we have deserts in the Yuma country. Then, after teaching people more about death, and after creating the Colorado River, mountains, and many other things, Kamashtampo turned himself into four eagles to watch over the people. As for Bakutal, he is still under the earth, causing trouble for the people above. Bad things come from him, as good things come from Kokoma. Many creation myths stress the existence of good and evil in the world. What makes this myth extraordinary is the suggestion that the creator, who, also unusually, was born of the maternal waters, contained both good and evil within himself. At his birth, he literally became the twins, one good and one evil. The next story is of the Yogurt. Each of the branches of the Yogurt tribe of Central California has a particular version of the creation myth. The Truhohi myth says that in the beginning, the only land was a mountain in the south rising above the expanse of water that covered the earth. Eagle was the chief then. The people came to him asking for earth on which to live. Eagle was at a loss as to what to do, but Coyote was not. He said Magpie would know what to do. When asked, the Magpie said that earth could be obtained from right below us. Now right below was only water, and the ducks all died trying to get mud from the depths. Only Mudan the duck was left, and he dove and was gone for a long time before returning dead. But in his nails, beaks, and ears, and nose, there were bits of mud. The people made land out of chiu seeds and this mud. Eagle then sent Wolf to make mountain ranges, which he did. Coyote, however, disobeyed Eagle and walked on them before they were dry. This is why the mountains, especially the Sierra Nevada mountains, are so jagged. Prairie Falcon and Raven were also sent to make mountains, but they argued about whose were higher. When everything had dried, the eagle and coyote sent the people, who back then were still animals, to different places. And soon afterward, they turned into human people. Then only the coyote and the eagle were left in the original place. Eagle decided to go up to the heavens, and coyote said he would do the same. The eagle, however, ordered Coyote to stay behind to watch over things. But Coyote managed to go with the eagle anyway, even though he had no wings. The Gashawo Yogurts claim that Prairie Falcon and Raven were the primary creators. They made the earth when there was only water everywhere. It was the duck, Kui Kui, who managed to get sand from under the primordial waters. Prairie Falcon mixed tobacco with bits of sand. He gave half of the mixture to the raven, 
and then they went in opposite directions, sprinkling the creative sand in the water to make land. The raven made better mountains, while the prairie falcon made better plains. Later, however, the prairie falcon altered the mountains to suit himself. It was he, after all, who had first thought of creation. Now, among the Wukchamni Yogurts, the eagle and coyote are the principal figures. Turtle comes into the story also. It was, after all, the turtle that the creator sent to die. The turtle came back with a bit of sand in his nails, and out of this, eagle and coyote made our earth. They also made six men and six women. These they sent out as couples to populate the earth. Later, Eagle sent Coyote to see what the people were doing. It seems they were eating up the earth. So Eagle sent a dove to find something better to eat. All of the world's agriculture began with a tiny grain of meal the dove found and the Eagle and Coyote planted. The Yawelmai Yakut myth reports that in the beginning there was water covering the earth. Then somehow, a stick or tree grew out of the water and headed towards the sky. At the top of this tree was a nest. In the nest were the eagle, who was the chief, and wolf, coyote, panther, falcon, hawk, and condor. From the nest, they could only see water everywhere and Eagle decided that he wanted to make her. So, he called Kwee the little duck, and ordered him to dive into the water to bring up dirt to begin things. The duck tried hard, but could not get to the bottom of the waters, and it died trying. A larger duck was sent, and he did reach the bottom, but died there and then floated up to the surface. Eagle and his companions noticed that there was a tiny bit of earth in one of the duck's feet. Eagle immediately took it and mixed it with some seeds and water, and so made a kind of dough. He put the dough into the water and watched it rise and spread out in every direction. That evening, Eagle told his companions to take some of the new earth and then they all got back into their nest for the night. Early the next day, Eagle instructed Wolf to shout, and the wolf did just that. But while the wolf shouted, the earth disappeared. Never mind, said Eagle, we'll make a new batch. That they could do because they had taken bits of earth into the nest. So they made a new batch of Eagle's mixture and early the next morning, the eagle told Wolf to shout three times. When Wolf shouted three times, the earth experienced an earthquake, but remained whole. Now Coyote wanted to shout too, and when he did, the earth hardly shook at all. Since earth was now stable, eagle decided that the group should move out of their nest and onto the earth. Very near to their tree was a lake, and they settled next to it.
The most noticeable aspect of the Yokut creation myths is the predominance of the animals. Presumably, each animal has a totem importance as originators of the people of various clans within the given communities. Our final story of the episode, and indeed the series, is of the Zuni. The Zuni people live in western New Mexico. They, like the Hopi, consider themselves to be descendants of the ancient cliff-dwelling Anasazi. The Zuni Pueblo is known for their people's religious ceremonies and fine jewelry, pottery, and other arts. Zuni ceremonies and myths reflect the intensity and complexity of their culture. So then, let's hear the Zuni Pueblo tale of our origin. Awona Welona is the creator of all that is. He existed before anything else in the great dark emptiness of the beginnings. He conceived himself by a thought. And as the container of all things, he created himself as himself, and as the sun that brought people light, warmth, and water. Now, out of himself, Awona Vilona made the seed with which he impregnated the primeval waters with the Awitelin Sita, or Earth Mother, and Apoyan Tachu, or Sky Father. Sky Father and Earth Mother then came together and engendered the creatures of our world. Then Earth Mother cast off Sky Father upwards whilst she sank in comfort partly into the waters. Sky Father and Earth Mother can take many forms. Like thoughts, they can transform themselves at will, the way dancers can in the ceremonies. And so it is said that they could speak to each other as humans and see things in human terms. Earth Mother once held a great bowl of water and told Sky Father the bowl was herself and that along its rim the people should live. She said she was many bowls for many people, many countries. The people, she said, would take nourishment from her as from the water of the bowl. Earth Mother then spat into the bowl and stirred it, causing land to build upon the edges. Sky Father meanwhile sent his cold breath down, which made clouds and mist on the sky. Upon seeing this, the Earth Mother said that the children of the earth would take shelter in her lap. The Earth Mother is warm say the people, and the Sky Father is cold. And so it is with women and men. Women are said to be warm, while men, cold. Sky Father, meanwhile, passed his hand over the bowl that the Earth Mother had created, and in doing so, he sprang the fruits of the earth. The Zunis have another tale where they also talk of the beginnings, but from a less mystical and less cosmic point of view. This story tells how the people actually came to be in Zuni. 
the story goes something like this. The fourth wall was dark, say our ancestors, and crowded. The people constantly got in each other's way. In the world, there was the sun or the sky father, and the earth or earth mother. The sky father looked down on the beautiful earth mother and pitied the people crowded in the darkness below her. He sent his rays down to earth in such a way as to encourage his two sons, elder brother and younger brother, to go in search of the people. Let's go find the people, so that they can come up here and see our father, said the younger brother. The brothers went southwest until they came to the entrance below. It was dim in the first world, dark in the second world, very dark in the third world, and pitch black in the fourth world where the people were. The people sensed that strangers were among them. They touched the children of the sun in the darkness. Come with us and we will take you to the sun, the brothers said. But we must show you the way. So younger brother went north and planted pine seeds, turned around while a pine seed grew and took a branch to the people. Then he did the same with spruce in the west, the silver spruce in the south and the aspen in the east. The sons of the sun built a prayer stick ladder of the pine tree from the north for the people to use on their climb to the third world. Now in the third world, they stayed for some time, some say four days, some say four years. The sons then made a prayer stick ladder out of the western spruce and the people climbed to the second world. The dim light of the second world almost blinded them. They stayed there for a while too, and then the sons made a prayer stick ladder from the silver spruce of the south and the people climbed to the first world, where they had to cover their eyes in the dawn-like light. When the people could see, they were horrified by the way they looked. They were dirty, slimy, and they had tails, no mouths, and webbed feet. They remained in the first world for four days, or according to some, for four years. Finally. The sons of the sun made a prayer stick ladder out of the aspen tree of the east, and, accompanied by thunder, the people climbed out into our world. The brightness brought tears of pain to their eyes, but younger brother forced them to look directly at father son. Tears of pain flowed, and from these tears came flowers. Now. You are in the world, said the sons. The people rested at the emergence spot for four days before moving on to Awiko, where the sons taught the people how to grow food. The people liked the way the corn smelled, but they had no mouths, so the brothers cut mouths into them while they slept. Later, they cut the webs between the people's fingers and outlets in their bottoms. Now the people could handle the food and eat it and excrete.
One night, the brothers removed the tails and horns from the people. Some woke up and asked to keep their tails. These people became monkeys. Most of the people were pleased with the way they looked. They looked like us. The Zuni myth stresses balance. The balance between the masculine and the feminine. The earth and the sky in creation. That is the end of this week's episode. And with this, we conclude the first season on creation myths of the world. The next series will be about the tales of heroes, which will come to you in a month and a half's time, more specifically on the 3rd of May. Meanwhile, listen to the creation myths of the other tribes, cultures, and civilizations in the previous episodes. As I alluded to earlier, we've covered many tales of the Native American tribes in the podcast. Check out episodes 1, 4, 6, 9, 12, 21, 31, 33, 34, and 38 if you'd like to hear more. Finally, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a feedback. We are quite active on Twitter and Instagram, so why not connect with us by using the handle at StoriesTHTMDEUS for both Twitter and Instagram. You may also email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. I'll see you again in the next series with a new episode on the tales of our heroes. Until then, goodbye.